Hello, my name is Erin Swenson, and I'm from Atlanta, Georgia. I'm a uh, I'm a actually retired um, member of the Presbytery of Greater Atlanta, and I um, I am, as far as anyone knows, uh, the first uh, ordained minister in any mainstream denomination to change sex and stay ordained. Um, and that's what brought me here. I'm kind of a, um, uh, I, I'm an unintentional member of this community. Um, my life story is a long one, as is everybody's my age. Uh, I'm, I'm getting ready to retire from uh, 10 years of working uh, for an insurance company as a, as a, as a behavioral health specialist. Um, I, am, I have been engaged for the last four decades as a psychotherapist, um, ordained as a pastoral counselor and in a validated ministry by the Presbytery of Greater Atlanta. It was in uh, my mid-40s, after about 23 years of that ministry, that I, um, I, I came to myself in understanding that I, I really needed to do a gender transition, um, something that I had never really intended or even dreamed about. I just, it was something that I avoided um, as long as I could, and it became clear that my life would be an unhappy one uh, if I did not uh, transition. And uh, this was a, a rather um, cataclysmic experience um, because I was married. I had been married for uh, almost 27 years. Um, I, uh, we had two lovely children, one of whom is a special needs child. Um, and, um, and I had been an ordained minister for 23 years and a successful psychotherapist in the city of Atlanta. So um, my goal was to transition and to do it as, um, as quietly and discreetly as I possibly could. Uh, the only things about my life that I really wanted to change had to do with gender expression and um, how people saw me. And uh, I didn't want to change my vocation, my friends, my family. Uh, all was good with the world except for the fact that I was in the wrong gender. And so um, I made this transition. Uh, and, um, and the need to address the presbytery about my changes uh, came fairly early in that process. And... Um, I went to the Committee on Ministry and um, told them that I, I wanted uh, to change my name on the role of Presbytery. At the time, we weren't really keeping uh, gender um, designations for some political reason. I'm not sure that I remember exactly why. So, so it was easy for me to just ask for a name change. But when it was clear that my name was being changed from a distinctly male one, which is Eric, E-R-I-C, uh, I wanted to change it from Eric Carl to Aaron Katrina Swenson, and um, uh, that sort of tipped my hand as far as what I was actually doing, and started a two-year-long process in the presbytery, um, the main struggle of which uh, had to do with my insurance coverage, because my insurance for my family was through the Presbyterian Board of Pensions, and was um, inextricably tied to my ordination. 
uh, were I to give up my ordination or have it taken away from me, uh, I would lose insurance. And remember, I have a special needs kid who, who had uh, fairly um, extensive uh, medical expenses, and it would have been a family disaster. So um, I had to pursue this and did, um, hoping that it would be discreet. Uh, and it, um, it turned out not to be discreet. Uh, after the, the first Presbytery meeting, it became a public matter, and a newspaper article came out, and uh, what I had wanted to be quiet and easy uh, became difficult and loud. And um, it was in the midst of this um, that I found myself uh, having breakfast um, with uh, a 67-year-old woman who had called me up as a result of the newspaper article. She had introduced herself on the phone as Ida, and she had, um, she had been one of Dr. John Money's first patients at the Johns Hopkins uh, Gender Reassignment Clinic in Baltimore. And she had seen the article and wanted to get together with me because um, I had mentioned that part of my therapy had been in Baltimore as well. So uh, we got together and we had this wonderful breakfast and uh, she introduced herself and told me about her life. And, and uh, I was thrilled, I was just ecstatic. And um, you know, here, here was a, a, a person who was probably 25 years older than I was, um, who had uh, lived the life and uh, she had transitioned in her early life and, and moved from South Georgia to Baltimore to do the transition. And then back to Atlanta where she got married and, and had a normal life as a woman. And uh, I was in awe of her. And I, I reached my hands across the, the booth uh, at the Majestic in Atlanta where we were having breakfast. And I, I, I grabbed her hands and I said, Ida, it is so wonderful to meet another transgender Presbyterian. And she turned dark. Her face dropped and she said, oh, but I'm not a Presbyterian. And I said, but you just told me that you belong to this, you went to this church next door to you and it was, um, uh, it was the center of your life that you told me that you're you're playing the piano and um, you're in the church practically every single day and um, it's a Presbyterian church. I don't understand why are you not a Presbyterian? And she said, I never joined the church. Uh, and I said, Well, you know, I, I thought that maybe she had some childhood membership somewhere or something. And she said, No, I I didn't join the church because I didn't think that I was supposed to. I, I didn't really think that God wanted me to join the church because of, because of who I am, you know? I just didn't think that I really belong there. And she said, that was why when I saw a newspaper article about a Presbyterian minister who was like me, it meant so much to me, and I had to meet you. And, of course, there were tears, and um, 
she was just a, a little old transgender lady. And there was Jesus sitting in a greasy spoon telling me where I needed to go. And uh, discrete transitions became a thing of the past. The Committee on Ministry resolved the insurance problem and came to me and said, we've got insurance for you. Now all you got to do is resign your ordination. And I said, nothing doing. I've got work to do. That's who we are to each other. Thank you. The phrase discrete transition <laughs> catches me. Uh -huh. and, and, I'm, and I'm wondering um, if you could talk some about that decision in the context of the movement uh, as relates to the work that you okay. really relate to. Uh, the... the, the um at the time, I was not related to any movement whatsoever. Um, I was, um, uh, my movement was my own. I had, I had just met Janie Sparr. Um, I think of Janie as the unifying principle of the, of the movement. <laughs> and of course, she's, she's, she's way more than just a philosophical idea. Janie Sparr is a, is a force of nature. And I had just met her. And, um, and so I, I had just become introduced to the movement um, and um, it was through the process of the intervening few months that Janie um, uh, became really supportive of me and um, and the other people in the presbytery who I thought would have um, would have wanted to be quiet about my my status uh, they all came out of the closet and this is the presbytery of greater Atlanta you have to remember this is the middle of the Bible belt so we didn't have um, we didn't have inclusive progressive churches just on every church every street corner, um, and uh, so you know for me, uh, every person who uh, who came and said you know I, I I want to support you in any way I can, meant uh, meant so much to me. In the context of your experience here at this um, conference, and in your answer, say the name of the conference because my questions will not be in the video. Um, to talk about your the the emotions of reconnection, the emotions of yeah. you know. There, I've heard a lot of of uh, the sweet and sour aspects, and so so speak a little bit about about your experience and how you were um, how you were uh, processing your past and in the in the in the context of this present experience. Um, here at at. Uh, Rock stars and prophets. Um, um, it, it's been it's been a, a remarkable experience for me. Um, <clears throat> I, I became a part of the movement in the mid 1990s, which, uh, as far as the group here is concerned, was very late, um, because so many people started in the in the 70s and 80s and and struggled at a time when the church was um, was not only not thinking about it, but was openly hostile to, to the whole idea of LGBT people in the church. And, um, and although I did catch some of that, um, I, I became co-moderator of More Light Presbyterians, one of the, one of the organizations. So I, 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 I was able to witness firsthand some of the, 
some of the struggle, um, especially the floor of Presbytery and in the churches about about changing the standards for ordination and uh, uh, not so much the, the marriage thing. Uh, but, but I came into the movement in the 90s and while I have, have known uh, most of the people here before, uh, I had not had an opportunity to hear their stories in this um, in this beautiful, integrated kind of way that, that gave um, so a, a, a texture, a unifying sort of texture to the movement to see what has happened and how remarkable it is what God has done uh, through these people, uh, through this community over the decades uh, that has ensued. And it makes me very excited, frankly, to see, you know, to think about what's, what's going to happen from here. Um, so... Yeah. So as relates to that point, if uh, you would um, then, with those reflections, project forward, and, and from this new dispensation of the of marriage equality and, and the uh, ordination uh, and ten a, talk about how you're seeing the future um, of the movement, and in terms of some have spoken about the concepts of reconciliation and, and that kind right. of thing. Give some, give some of your thoughts. Well, I, I, um, what, what makes me so excited is uh, with the changes that have occurred. And, and they're important changes to transgender people, too. Um, in fact, um, DOMA, the Defense of Marriage Act that went through the U.S. Congress, uh, has been used uh, more forcefully against transgender couples uh, than it has against gay and lesbian ones. Um, so... Um, so anything that opens marriage up is, is helpful to, to those of us who are transgender. Um, what I think in terms of where this movement is going is, I think this is a point at which the movement gets freed uh, from the concerns of, of politics and um, legislation and, um, uh, and legalism and, and becomes um, capable, freed, to do the work that it does so well in terms of um, connecting uh, with um, with people in the church about this issue, I think I think this issue isn't just about this issue. It's about every it's about every Christian. It's about every person uh, because each one of us has a journey, and part of that journey is one that 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 we don't really align with being acceptable to other people. And um, I think one of the witnesses that can be uh, that can emerge powerfully is is a is a a profound acceptance of ourselves and and God's love for us as we are uh, that we don't have to dress up pretty to go to church on Sunday to be acceptable to God and um, um, and and so you know when someone who's homeless comes into the church um, and doesn't smell quite right and, and looks dirty and ragged, um, they, feel, they feel at home because they're with other people who are like them. Uh, not that we're smelly and, and ragged, but that we're comfortable with ourselves in our smelliness and in our raggedness uh, and, and don't feel uncomfortable in the presence of such a person. So, you know, the, the community of the church, I think, is poised on a place where, where it can become the church in a, in a new and exciting way. Um, because of this movement. Not just this is part of the church, I think this is integrated into the heart and soul of what the church is. So the last question um, focuses on that uh, 
that comfortable with self aspect. Mm-hmm. So a lot of the themes that have emerged are, are the themes that that um, focus on validation and um, being uh, the, the claiming of self identity. Um, so with that theme as a parting comment, these uh, these videos are information for lookers, but they're mm-hmm. also uh, messages too. So mm-hmm. if you were to uh, give a message to those who are seeking, uh, or those who might be finding their way through the path that you have taken, yeah. um, if you could if you could give a message that 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 includes um, your conclusions or at least your approach to the struggles of of, of claiming self. It is. It's a. It's a. You know, one of the one of the problems with this conference is that it is called Rock Stars and Prophets, and so and and it is in in, in many ways. Uh, every single person here is special uh, in in terms of where they have come from, but they they reflect the specialness of everyone, and um, it, you know they're simply uh, reflections of of a larger community. And uh, uh, having been a youth who was who was aware of being transgender at a time when there was no such word. Um, uh, I, I've, I've come to understand uh, that every person has a gender journey. We all do. Gender is a concern, and gender expression is a concern for all of us as we grow up, uh, as we become adults, as we establish families, as we engage in careers, as we get older, um, as we grow into, into the senior years and aging. All of that all has a concern with um, how we express our gender. And being transgender does not mean that you are really different than everybody else, at least not, uh, m- maybe not in, in degree, perhaps, or not in nature, but perhaps in degree. And um, I think uh, every transgender person, I'm a little biased, but I think every transgender person is their own prophet. Uh, and um, reminding it, our culture has become pretty rigid as far as gender is concerned. And um, I mean, we're not as rigid as, as some of the countries in, in, you know, in the, in the Fertile Crescent. Um, but, but, we, but we are still. And uh, middle school is a, is a harrowing experience for many kids, primarily because of the expectations of gender and girls starving themselves and, um, and boys um, um, engaging in acts of violence just to establish a gender identity. And, and, um, and I, I think one of the things that every transgender brings to the community is a message that we don't have to live with that oppression.